And we're back after a week off. This is Ann and Emily Wrestle Podcast. It's episode 20. It's a nice round number. And in the podcasting sphere, when you hit a round number, there's some kind of celebration. So in order to properly celebrate, let us have my co-host, the greatest heel of all time, the Vicar of Doom, the Reverend of Destruction, descending from the rafters and the gimmick sting stole from her. It's Emily the Raven. <laughs> Here I am. Welcome to episode 20. We've made it longer than some television shows. We made it longer than most television shows. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hilarious part about this. And that's what happens when you do something for fun, which also means our content is better than everybody else's. <laughs> better? more exciting <laughs> spicier <laughs> yep and since we don't give a shit we can say whatever we want <laughs> and if that appeals to you tell your friends about it and have them listen to us and then enjoy their reaction as they say what the fuck am i listening to <laughs> you're you're listening to Anne and emily russell podcast <laughs> i know <laughs> Which gets to, why are we here? Well, we skipped last week, and I really wanted to start with this news from last week, but a whole bunch of shit happened this week, but you know what? This was too good a piece of news to not start with. First of all, Keith Lee is all elite. Yes. And oh my god, that toss, that opening, that beautiful toss into the air from that poor, poor member of Private Party who are interchangeable to me as... AEW's most disposable tag team. I don't actually mean that they're they're actually both really phenomenal. It's just they're they're kind of the jobbers of AEW right now, and that's unfortunate. But hopefully they'll move up the ladder. Um, but yeah, Keith Lee. And before he debuted, he got married to longtime girlfriend Mia Yim, perhaps the scariest woman on the planet. <laughs> I know a couple of Keith Lee fans are actually afraid of Mia Yim finding out just how much of a fan they are. Wow. Yeah. Well, Adam Blompier is like committed to he will one day marry Keith Lee. We'll see. Yeah, if Mia if Mia Yim finds out he said that though, he's a dead man. So, um, or she's into that. I don't know. Could be. You never know. But <clears throat> what's important about this story is who performed the wedding ceremony. Who would that be? Who? 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 <laughs> it Classic was none, New Day. It was none other than Mick Foley. <laughs> Which is like the best thing ever. <laughs> Mick Foley is, is an ordained minister. So if you can't afford Emily the Raven's outrageous fees for performing wedding ceremonies, and who of us can, <laughs> Call up Mick Foley. He is slightly cheaper than Emily's wedding fees. Slightly cheaper. <laughs> like a buck or two cheaper. We got to find out what Mick charges and just make sure you charge more. Okay. I okay. will. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, since you can't afford Mick, you, or since you can't afford Emily, you might as well get Mick. I mean, I mean, Mick Foley would be the next best thing to you performing a wedding ceremony. I, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, he's almost as friendly as I am. <laughs> almost. He doesn't he doesn't have quite the reputation for violence that you have. <laughs> no, we have a lot in common though. 
No, you do. Your 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 love of of making other people bleed and and bleeding yourself. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have I have seen you do, do some truly horrific things, especially when someone appealed a great on you once. Well, you know, I I don't know about all of that, but I can tell you that it's not a wedding if the officiant doesn't turn around halfway through blade and then turn back with blood dripping down her face <laughs> so right blading is blading is as a traditional part of a wedding ceremony as a diamond ring yes they're they're equally traditional this is not actually a joke they're equally traditional <laughs> as in they were both made up and you're being lied to and conned by the diamond industry yeah, well, that does a lot more harm than bleeding, unless yeah. you do it, unless you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> or unless you're Ric Flair and you genuinely like to bleed too much. Yee. Just another creepier thing about Ric Flair, which is why we're trying not to care about him. All right, that was the big happy news. Let's deal with the clusterfuck. We have known for some time that Cody Rhodes was working without a contract as his three-year deal with AEW had expired. Um, after his excellent match with Sammy Guevara, that ladder match that you called uh, perhaps the greatest ladder match of all time. Yes. And you might be right. We have to really do a deep dive into ladder matches. I mean, this is going to require dissertation-level work. <laughs> um, he sat on a box in the back for an interview with AEW in which he said that some people think the Sean Ross Sapp story is bullshit. It's not. I'm working on a handshake deal. And he confirmed uh, for everyone to see that he was not signed to AEW. He was a free agent. Now, there was a lot of speculation that the free agency would allow him to turn up in the Royal Rumble. I was one of the speculators about that. Uh, he did not turn up in the Royal Rumble. He did not do a whole lot of things. And apparently, at 10 o'clock on this past, uh, I believe it was Tuesday morning, the 15th, Cody Rhodes had officially left AEW completely, as has his wife, Brandy Rhodes. All of the shit has hit the fan. It has buried the previous big story of the week, which is the second thing we're going to talk about after this. We did our opening bit with Keith Lee and Mia Yim and Mick Foley. This is the main meat of what has to be talked about. Not only has Cody Rhodes not re-signed with AEW, but according to Sean Ross Sapp, he is headed to WWE. And he is headed for a big push towards WrestleMania. Interestingly, though, Brandy is not headed for WWE in the most recent raft of reporting. Now, before we go into me trying to compile all the things I've read and heard over the last week about this, Emily... What are your immediate thoughts, feelings, reactions to Cody Rhodes leaving and what appears to be most likely heading for WWE? 
Well, I was extremely shocked and then really sad. Um, you know, I really admire and respect Cody Rhodes, and he was one of one of the you know factors in AEW being created. Probably, probably the most important um, instigator of that. And I love Brandy. I've been a member of AEW Heels. They're a women's fan club and they have regular live events over zoom um and brandy hosted um all of the ones that i went to and you know it was just we were all on camera like 70 80 women however many showed up and brandy would just <laughs> interact with us and like people would talk to her and she was just amazing like you know, she did a great job um, and w- with those heels meetings, and I know she was doing a great job um, for AEW. So I'm really, really sad to see them go. And I know that there has been a lot of speculation, um, and I just decided not to just, you know... To, to stop reading it and just not pay attention because, you know, noth- there's nothing that's confirmed. It sounds like the WWE is, is pretty certain, but the rest of it, I'm just like, okay, no. <laughs> like, it's gossip, right? Like, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not good. So, yeah, you know, um, Cody is is go- I I missed him um this week whether or not I mean you know whether or not he would have even been on the show I was still like oh he's gone brandy brandy's gone I mean we just saw her on TV so yeah just just sad and um hopeful that you know whatever whatever he does goes well so yeah so here's the thing um i'm gonna do my best not to get into gossip i'm gonna rely very heavily on the reporting that sean ross sap has done with the sources that he has in both companies he's one Mm. of the most respected journalists and so this is stuff that i'm compiling from things that he has said and almost all the stuff that's coming out is his reporting on this. There's a couple of things um, that came out. First of all, one of the interesting things is that Cody was not getting the reaction that he wanted to get to his character. And this is, again, what's being reported. That lowered his value in the eyes of AEW. And when he was renegotiating his contract, what uh, Sean Rossap is reporting is that he wanted to be paid like a top guy. Now, according to what we know, the current top salary in AEW is CM Punk, which, given the buzz around his return to wrestling and the way in which he, he has been working for the company and the amount of mainstream media and press that were interested and invested in Punk's return to wrestling – is absolutely deserved. I'm not saying that Cody does or does not deserve 
any particular salary. I'm I'm simply saying this is what he wanted. When it was clear he wasn't going to get that because Tony Khan is a businessman and he's trying to use the resources that he has as best as he can, which includes what he can pay each individual person. Cody, with the signings of CM Punk, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, Malachi Black, uh, Keith Lee, so on and so forth, isn't as important as he was at the start of AEW. And for that matter, so are a lot of other people probably going to lose some of their importance. Now, this is part of any business or any industry or any entertainment product in which your roster grows. AEW started out quite small in a lot of ways because WWE, as soon as AEW was announced, started signing every piece of talent they could to super long-term contracts. And so that was one of the things that they were trying to do to kill AEW. It obviously failed, which is also one of the reasons why WWE has been releasing talent over the last two years. So that's one thing. Cody wanted to be paid like a top guy. He didn't have the negotiating uh, position to get that in his contract. If he had negotiated it eight months ago, he probably would have gotten it at that time. This Mm. is what's being, this is what's being reported. Now, WWE can afford to pay Cody top money because they are making a lot more money than AEW is, and they're only playing with their own money uh, because Tony Khan is, and AEW isn't really a subsidiary of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it's part of the Khan empire. And the Jaguars are probably making more money still than AEW is. That that last bit is my conjecture. So until AEW gets that next TV deal, which is going to launch them into a comparative uh, parody with WWE, they're probably not going to have as much money coming in. Uh, the fact that their TV deal was renewed for TNT and extended to TBS, or, or it was actually extended, not renewed, um, shows the faith that Turner Broadcasting has in AEW, the faith that Warner Media has in AEW, very rightly so, because it's the best show on TV for wrestling, period, both Dynamite and Rampage. That is an objective fact. I'm sorry if you think that wrestling is a purely subjective art form. It's not. Raw sucks, and SmackDown is mediocre, and NXT is vomit. Um, These are realities. Deal with it. Three hours of Raw is too much. Um, And if you you can't tell my tongue's in my cheek when I say that's an objective fact when it's clear that, come on, people. Jesus. (laughs) (sighs) So Cody wanted his contract to be top guy status. He was also apparently reportedly upset when Tony Khan referred to himself in an interview as the booker because Cody really wanted to pay homage to his father by having more to do with creative. Now, when you hear something like that, you've got to really question why is he going back to WWE? Yeah. Because that doesn't make any sense to me at all. But here's what we do know. Uh, This defection, as it's being called by some of these people, was being celebrated, according to, again, Sean Ross Sapp, in WWE corporate, that their pitch to Cody, since he's been without a contract, he can negotiate with anyone, 
has been so strong that he didn't re-sign with AEW, the company he helped found it. He helped found. Now, the difference between Cody in 2016 when he left after WrestleMania 32, that terrible Stardust gimmick behind, and Cody now, is that in 2016, Cody hadn't really matured as a professional wrestler. And he was a mid-card talent properly placed the the stardust gimmick still sucked it was still a bad gimmick they should have gotten rid of very quickly after they broke up the tag team with him in gold dust um but he needed to leave he needed to go elsewhere he needed to have that amazing string of matches and career he had outside of wwe it was fantastic every little bit of it and now he's coming back as a bona fide main event star in a company that desperately needs a bona fide main event star near the top of the card because, and this is more reporting going on from various outlets, WWE doesn't even know what the WWE Championship match is going to be at WrestleMania. Something that in the past was locked in before Survivor Series. We're now in February. WrestleMania is in seven weeks. Or six weeks now. Shit. And they don't know what the WWE Championship match is going to be. Wow. So Cody coming in is a huge lifeline to WWE creative and provides a lot of possible opportunities. So the report is that he's coming into WWE. He might be showing up at Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia on Saturday. I hope not. Cody, if you are, if you still cannot do that, please don't do that, because all the charity work that you care so much about will pale in comparison to you legitimizing uh, Saudi rule. Please don't do that. Please don't go legitimize a government's PR campaign when they murder journalists. Well, that's where a large amount of WWE money is coming from now. And one of the many reasons why I will not watch them ever again. Yep. Um, And, you know, so that does dismay me to, to know that, you know, Cody knowing everything that he does is going to go back. But I'm, I mean, you know, like, that's also his father's legacy and you know so and maybe he thinks this time it can go a lot better i i don't know um well this time he's in a position to negotiate a much better contract for himself and i think that's one of the important things to think about here is that cody has like all professional athletes professional wrestlers are professional athletes And one of the things that we don't think about when we think about professional athletes, and I had this conversation with some of my colleagues, is they have a limited amount of time to make almost all the money they're going to make in their life. Yeah, that's true. I do not fault anyone going to any wrestling promotion because they're going to get paid more money that they need to be able to live off of. And... If Cody is making this decision purely monetarily to make sure that he can take care of his family, I absolutely respect that. And I don't think that anyone can tell any person where they should and shouldn't work. I mean, 
we wish everyone would work for AEW, but Tony Khan can't afford that. Much as that would be wonderful, because no one should be working for Vince McMahon. Yeah. So, it is it is depressing for this to happen. Uh, Cody has had some banger good matches, and the the nice thing about this is that all the stuff he did on the way out, and all the stuff AEW did with him on the way out shows you exactly what kind of company AEW is and exactly why you should be a fan of this company, even if you are a WWE stan. Even if you are one of those people who just loves the WWE product, first of all, who hurt you? Seriously, if you watch three hours of Raw every week, who hurt you? You don't have to torture yourself like that. There's other things you can do. But you should be liking this because... On the way out, last match, Sammy Guevara put Sammy Guevara over bigger than he's ever been. And Sammy Guevara has already demonstrated he is the future of professional wrestling, along with the other four pillars of AEW, along with a lot of the other amazing young talent that's out there across all the various companies. That was fantastic. But Tony Khan, AEW, the AEW locker room publicly, all put Cody over on his way out, too. So he comes out of this looking strong. Why? Because Sean Ross Sapp has no doubt that in three to five years, Cody's going to be back in AEW. That he will eventually retire in AEW because it's the company he founded. So it's not goodbye, Cody. It's see you later. Yeah. And... Here's hoping that it works out for him. Here's hoping this gets him what he wants to get. Now, the real issue that needs to be talked about is Brandy Rhodes. Brandy still wants to be a wrestler, something that wrestling fans are divided on. We're divided on this podcast about Brandy Rhodes wrestling. (laughs) I love Brandy Rhodes. I think she's great on the mic. I think she's a great presence at ringside. I think she's a smart, talented woman. I don't think she wrestles very well. Uh, I think she's good. I like her. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and and you know, it's one of those things. It's not. It's not for everyone. I could not. Well, no, we all know that that you and I are perfect professional wrestlers with the only eight star match in history. <laughs> Setting that kayfabe story aside, neither of us could be professional wrestlers for real. So, yeah. pot, pot, kettle, black, we don't have any ability to, tr- to truly sit and judge people, because we could not do this, for various reasons. Most of them health reasons. Yeah. Um, and I respect anyone who tries to do it, the same way I respected you know, CM Punk going to UFC, because it was something he wanted to do, and he worked his ass off, and yeah, he lost both of his fights. But at least he fought him. And most people couldn't get in that kind of shape to actually be in a fight like that, let alone walk out of it afterwards. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of things to say about Brandy Rhodes wrestling. But Brandy Rhodes does not appear to be headed back to WWE, which I think is a shame for Cody. It's not a shame for Brandy because. 
Cody and Brandy together are better together. I really like her in Cody's corner. I would like Brandy more if Cody was in her corner. That's mm-hmm. my per- personal take on it. Um, I hope that Brandy gets whatever it is she's trying to get out of being a wrestler. I hope she improves. I hope she does well. I don't have a lot of hope that she will. I I wish her nothing but good things because she seems like the most amazing person. Your thoughts on Brandy and all of this? Because so much of the discussion has been around Cody. And no, we're not going to talk about the 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 lines about people not liking Brandy Rhodes because we don't want to deal with that crap. That's that's rumor crap. We're not talking about it. Um, I you know, I think uh Brandy is a wild card here, and I don't know, you know, she has a lot of experience beyond wrestling uh in the ring. I mean, like in the ring, you know, a lot of business experience. Um, I mean, Cody does as well. So, you know, and TV experience. So, I mean, who knows what, I mean, you know, she may become the host of a show or, you know, it's, it's hard to say, you know, I'm sure she has other opportunities uh, beyond wrestling and whether she wants to do those or wrestle i guess we'll see what what's next so yeah um it it's it's sad but this is one of those things that's gonna keep happening because again not everyone is gonna stick with one company or the other um so brandon cody thank you first of all if we didn't say that at the beginning, thank you both. Yeah. For all the amazing shit you both have done. If you ever listen to this, we love you. Cody, I think you should turn heel. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be the best heel ever. Present company excluded. Because you, you, <laughs> you're never going to me- measure up to Emily. No one is. Um. <laughs> I mean, you are you are the dirtiest player in the game. Ric Flair stole that from you. <laughs> it's true. Yep. Um, and we wish you just we wish you guys to have really great, uh, prosperous careers because you certainly enjoy it. You work so hard, and we see that work all the time. And to all the fans who are using this to be tribal assholes over this shit, stop it. Stop it now. These are people's lives. These are people's jobs and livelihoods. Treat it with respect, as I hope we have done today. And if we haven't, please tell us. Um, and we never wish for anyone to get fired. Unless they're a member of the Trump family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the thing is, that was, that, that was news that for most people came out of left field. And it buried arguably a bigger story that started to be released on Monday night. So less than 12 hours later, the notion that Steve Austin was going to come back and wrestle a match, not 
stun someone and walk out of the ring and drink some beer, but wrestle a match, started to come out with a promo that Kevin Owens cut on on, about WrestleMania being in Texas on Monday Night Raw, in which he talked about how he probably wasn't going to wrestle at WrestleMania, and isn't that good because of how much Texas sucks. It isn't Texas terrible, and WrestleMania is going to be in Dallas, and Texas really sucks. I don't think Kevin Owens had to dig deep to find things to criticize Texas about. None of us do. Um, but yeah, the reports are in that Austin is likely to wrestle Kevin Owens at this year's WrestleMania in an actual match. I know you're not watching WWE and you won't watch WrestleMania for this. <laughs> no. But your thoughts about Steve Austin wrestling a match in 2022? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, I don't know. He's healthy, apparently. So the issues with his uh, neck and back have healed up. Much the same way that Edge came back. Much the same way that Brian Danielson came back. Much the way that Paige might be coming back. Um, he's in shape. And there's a lot of money. It's also in Texas, so he can just kind of, you know, drive to it. <laughs> and also, it's Kevin Owens. Now, if you're going to pick a wrestler to have a really good match with a veteran and to take care of and protect that person in the ring, there's, uh, a, there's not many people better than Kevin Owens to pick for that. Yeah, he's, that's true. He's been frequently described as a moral compass in the WWE locker room. Um, he is a super safe and smart worker. And he is just one of the best people. Not only that, he's been doing the stunner for a couple of years now. Uh, Austin gave him permission for it. Owens asked for it. Because for a while, they were trying to push Owens as a babyface. And I love babyface Owens. Not as much as I love babyface Sami Zayn. Please make Sami a babyface again. Um, But I really, really think that this is happening. And I'm kind of intrigued to see it. And I think that not that Austin needs to be carried to a match because he's still one of the greatest performers of all time. He is the biggest money draw in the history of professional wrestling. I think Kevin Owens versus Stone Cold Steve Austin could go 12 minutes and be a really solid match uh, on either night of WrestleMania. So, and I think that Austin is a guy who's who does need that one last match because hmm. he did his career kind of ended in 2003 after his match with Rock, where he could no longer get cleared to wrestle, and he wanted to do that match to put over the Rock because they'd had their WrestleMania feuds and Rock had never gone over because it didn't fit the stories they were telling. So. He he did that one last match to put Rock over 
at WrestleMania in 2003. And I think that he still thinks he needs that one more match, which is, I don't think it's just money tempting him, tempting him into this. I think that he does need this for his own peace of mind. Can he still do it? And Owens is going to be careful and protect him in the ring. So it'll be okay. I hope. Please let it be okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's not a promotion I watch, but if it was, a promotion that I watched, I would, uh, I would have been convinced by your <laughs> your argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think those are all excellent points. Um, yeah, and you and you're right. I mean, it really got overshadowed completely <laughs> by Cody Rhodes news. So, and that just tells you how big of a star Cody Rhodes is, and why he's making sure he's getting paid what he thinks he's worth. Yeah. And again, Cody, Godspeed, good luck. But please keep your moral compass on and please remember where you're going back to and how they treated you the last time you were there. Mm-hmm. There's a really great promo from uh, 2015. Is it 20? No, it's 2014. Where Cody gets fired after losing a match uh, to Randy Orton. This is the beginning of the authority storyline. And Cody is just like, he's he's so mad about it. Or is it 2013? I don't remember when it was. Anyways, it leads to the tag team. Uh, yeah, it was 2013. It leads to the tag team partnership with him and his uh, brother Dustin. But he talks about how Dusty Rhodes set Florida on fire, was a world champion, and the McMahons put him in polka dots and made him dance. That his brother was a second-generation stud, the natural. They put him in gold paint, and he's never been the same. So, Cody, please remember that promo. Please remember what this company does to members of the Rhodes family. And please tow your line and hold your ground because we want you to be well. All right. Let us talk about good shit this week. Holy fuck. (laughs) I want to start with this because this has been one of my criticisms of AEW uh, since putting the belt on Adam Page. By the way. The official stance of this podcast is that Kenny Omega should not have lost the AEW championship. That is correct. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny Omega should still be AEW champion, even if he had to take time off. He could have Brock Lesnar the title, okay? He could have just <laughs> he could have just refused to show up because he's the best, okay? And please get well, Kenny. We miss you. Please come back. We'll talk a little bit more about you later in the podcast. But Adam Page, other than his his feud with, with Brian Danielson in December and the beginning of January, has not had the best title reign. The match with Lance Archer was good. It wasn't great. Um, it, it was okay. It was, it was a Texas death match. Uh, I did not like the uh, removing of the top rope. <laughs> that made watching the match hard for me. 
I loved it so much. <laughs> I love the way I love the way he creatively did a buckshot off the ref. Yes, that was incredible. That was great. That was great. But the it was so jarring for me to watch a wrestling match without a top rope. Mm. That's it it bugged me the whole time I was watching it. But a new challenger has shown up for Adam Page and reminded us that Adam Page is the other Adam. So Adam Cole has been making some waves with the elite. First of all, he kayfabe brought in his buddies from the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, who have reformed Red Dragon, my second favorite tag team of the last 20 years. My favorite tag team of the last 20 years is the Motor City Machine Guns. And yes, because I am a Detroit girl. Deal with the bitches. <laughs> um, plus, the motor, motor, motor City Machine Guns are fucking great. And anyone who says otherwise is just wrong. Um, but yeah, Red Dragon is back together. And there's been some friction between Adam Cole and the Young Bucks and Red Dragon who are all kind kind of members of the elite now. I really did enjoy the uh, Bobby Fish getting in the spray tan party on an episode of Being the Elite a couple months ago. That was hilarious. Um, but Adam Cole has officially challenged Adam Page for, for the AEW Championship, and that will take place at Revolution. And after the challenge, Red Dragon attacked Adam Page. And it looks like we're getting Adam Cole versus 10, because uh, uh, Dark Order came out to make the save, I believe. I haven't actually watched this week's Dynamite. I apologize. Um, which is why the next, the next segment is going to be all about Emily. <laughs> uh, plus, it's about her favorite wrestler. So, um, But yeah, uh, I think this is the feud that was needed. I think this is going to help Pages reign a lot. I think. I think this has to go to a no contest at Revolution because I don't think you want Adam Cole to lose yet. And I think that AEW hasn't done non finishes too much, and they could afford one more in service to Adam Page and Adam Cole's match. I think that if Cole eats a pin here, it's bad. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I'm excited just to watch it as a fan. I, of course, am someone who's always going to cheer for Adam Cole, Bebe, because I always want him to be the champion. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's it's really exciting, and I I can't wait to see them fight each other. Who do you I think mean, who do you think needs to win this more? Oof. Uh I really think Adam Adam Page because for what he went through to get the title, if he loses it already, you know, I just it's it's not going to be good for him. Mm -hmm. For, you know, for his... 
if you look at like the bigger picture of how his story has played out um yeah yeah i don't know i'm just i i think adam cole is endlessly cool he's best when he is a cocky arrogant heel who wins um he's not at his best when he gets pinned and so i think either cole gets himself disqualified or interference from red dragon and dark order leads to a cage match uh down the road that's my initial thought on how to book this but i'm excited because um there's no such thing as a bad adam cole match i can't find one yeah all right if that was good let's move on to great I have not gotten to watch this match yet. I have only watched the highlights. I watched the first match between these two. Thunder Rosa versus Mercedes Martinez this week. Oh, yes. Now, you are a huge Thunder Rosa fan. That, that is true. I am a huge Mercedes Martinez fan. How good was this match? I haven't watched it yet. Sell me on sell me on this match that I'm already hyped for. Okay, well, first of all, Thunder Rosa comes out deadly serious, dragging a chair, and she's wearing gear that looks like the bride from Kill Bill. And just looks so so fierce. And of course, as you can imagine, they start fighting right away um, on the ramp. And eventually, at at some point, they end up out in the crowd, which always has scared me. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, for the wrestlers, for the people in the crowd, um, and you know, given like <laughs> the continued pandemic scares me, but um, it, it was, it was really, it, it was good. Like their fight out, out in the crowd was good. And um, there were some uh, spots throughout that and throughout the rest of the match where I was really worried about uh, Thunder Rosa <laughs> getting injured um so that was a little bit there there were some tense moments there for me as i was watching it and um yeah i don't know since you haven't watched oh, go ahead and spoil all, do you, it for me go do you want me to talk about okay i'm still gonna watch this match and just kind of sit there and go oh yeah yeah oh yeah it's absolutely worth watching so i think the real the really interesting thing was that after the match was over, um, you know, Thunder Rosa goes goes over to Mercedes Martinez uh, to kind of, like, help her up. And then she um, bows to her. And it was like, whoa, what's happening? And it, it almost looks like, you know, they're going to make peace with each other 
in the ring. And then um, you guess who shows up? <laughs> uh, someone, someone associated with Dr. Britt Baker. Dr. Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, uh, and Ruckle. Rebel. Yeah. And um, so they, tr- they get in the ring and they try to get um, Mercedes Martinez to attack Thunder Rosa. And um, it doesn't, it's, she hesitates, she doesn't do it. So um, Hater, Jamie Hater, um, like, attacks um, Thunder Rosa. So she, like, goes, goes past Mercedes Martinez and... Um, and I think she I'm trying to remember exactly what happened, but I think she knocks I think she knocked down Mercedes Martinez as well. Like I think she kind of attacked her too. Um for some reason that part is like a blur for me. Um but yeah, it was it was an interesting finish because it looked like something significant was maybe gonna happen with Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa. So we'll see where where it goes from there since since the the you know the end went the way it did. Yeah. Um they've been teasing the split in uh Britt Baker's group for a while. I don't like teasing the heel splits. Sorry, I know everyone else is waiting for Wardlow to leave MJF. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I would prefer it if Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel stayed together for a very long time and solidified themselves as a heel faction and won, you know, maybe inaugural AEW Women's Tag Team Championships. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I am still super psyched for this match. Uh, I'm psyched for the dynamic of Mercedes Martinez, who... How do you have Mercedes Martinez in WWE and say, hey, this super amazing women's wrestler for the last 20 years on the independent scenes, let's put her in a mask and have her be in a stupid faction called Retribution, which mercifully she got out of very quickly. Mia Yim did not, unfortunately. Um, neither did uh, Dominic Dijak, uh, who's still going around calling himself T-Bar. It's awful. Um, <laughs> just it's so so sad. <sighs> I am super excited for Mercedes Martinez to be on TV weekly doing cool shit. I am super excited still to watch this match, even though I already knew how it ended and I know some of the great details. And I did see uh the Wrestle Talk review and I did see Thunder Rosa cosplaying as the bride. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was fantastic. Um, also, I love her Day of the Dead makeup. So yeah, that she that, and that she's from the grave the graveyards of Tijuana, Mexico. Just <laughs> all the stuff from the roses. Uh, so it's so it's so good. It's so it's good. So good, and it's so good with Mercedes Martinez. But we started with the good. We went to the great, and I hate to call this the best because. Wow, am I still just wanting to see more of CM Punk and MJF? First of all, the match that they had was amazing. 
It was great. It was great from start to finish. We already talked about it, I believe, but the the tape around Punk's throat, Wardlow with the diamond ring, uh, Bryce Remsburg being just the best referee along with Aubrey Edwards. I mean, sorry, other AW referees, you are great, but Bryce and Aubrey are so fucking good. Uh, and so good at assisting the story and making the story what it is. But then the the tag team match with Punk and Moxley versus FTR, and then Punk sitting down and pulling the dog collar out of the box and asking MJF to be his Valentine. <laughs> that was amazing. And and calling Valentine's Day a Hallmark holiday, which it absolutely is. Um, not not historically, as we both know, being religious scholars, but it is now. It is now. Lupercalia. I know, I know. We'll get. In, <laughs> we will get into this in another podcast on another subject some other time. But Valentine's Day, as a celebrated in America, is a complete Hallmark holiday, which is why we don't celebrate it at all in this house because. Uh, Dia and I tell each other how much we love each other every single day, which is what you do if you have a healthy relationship, people. <sighs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, this was great, but here's what's great about this, and I cannot overstate this enough. So much is made out of MJF and his ability to talk, and it's all deserved, it's all warranted. But this promo showed that it's not a mouth. It's a performer. When MJF came out, Punk kept talking, and MJF said nothing. And he wore everything in his body, on his face, in his walk. It was subtle, it was nuanced, and it was brilliant because remember how this feud started was punk going to the ring and saying nothing and walking out laughing and mjf wearing real concern on his face and it was so good punk's promo was great punk's promo was great MJF's reaction that is why he's better than you and you know it <laughs> I am I am in awe of how young he is and how good he is at every aspect of his craft I did <clears throat> He, he, I'm sorry. He is Piper in Portland.
he act actually has bear promos and looks look, looks crazy but it's piper who makes things work it's piper who makes things interesting mjf never needs to hold a title he should hold titles he should hold a lot of titles but he never needs to cuz everything he does is so fucking good and so on point and so perfect so that when he wins the title he might be going down as the greatest of all time and it's a joy to watch i cannot gush about mjf enough and i want cm punk to kick the fucking shit out of him <laughs> yeah what what are your thoughts on how this feud has gone i i don't think it could have been better oh yeah it could not have been better and you know each each phase <laughs> as it develops is better than the last and this uh this dog collar match is just incredible like <laughs> oh yeah yeah this is going to be a hell of a pay-per-view coming up so uh before we get into our last story our last story before we get to our main bit I I do want to just quickly pull this up. So AEW Revolution 2022 is already starting to take shape. And we know several things. So uh, Keith Lee, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, and three other people are going to be in the Face of the Revolution match for a future AEW TNT Championship match. Keith Lee should win that match. Uh, We'll talk about our predictions uh, later. Uh, Punk versus MJF in the dog collar match. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus in a triple threat uh, match against two tag teams that have not been determined. I think it's pretty much unlocked that it's going to be Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, in which case, sign me up for it. Um, Actually, sign me up for anything because the AEW tag team scene is great. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa for the women's championship and Paige versus Cole for the men's championship. There's still like half the card yet to be announced, and I'm already buying it. I've already like made sure I'm not working uh, in the evening on March 6th, which is a Sunday, <laughs> because um, yeah, uh, there's absolutely no way I'm working that evening. Zero percent chance. I'm ordering Indian food for myself and Dia, and I'm sitting down and watching this because I'm uh, I'm very much yeah. This is this is great. This is awesome. Now let's go to the ridiculous. 205 Live has been canceled in favor of a second NXT show called NXT Level Up. What's ridiculous about this? 205 Live was still on the air. I don't have a drum sound to play here, but you know. Yeah, uh, it would have been nice if WWE had ever actually cared about 205 Live coming off of the Cruiserweight Classic um, back in 2016, which was a great tournament with the wrong final match because we could have had we could have had Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. in the finals. We got TJP versus Grand Metalik, which was still a good final match. But 
Kota and Zach were smart enough not to sign WWE contracts and to go back to New Japan. <laughs> yeah. Good on both of them. I still would have preferred to have seen that match than what we got. Um, but yeah, 205 Live was, for a long time, a vehicle of more stupid comedy skits. It got really good when Rockstar Spud became Drake Maverick and was the general manager for 205 Live. I encourage everyone to go back and rewatch some of the things that uh, uh, Rockstar Spud did as Drake Maverick that really made 205 Live amazing. Um, the reign that Pack as Neville had with the 205 Live uh, Cruiserweight title was amazing and had a really great uh, WrestleMania match with Austin Aries. Um, sucks that Austin Aries is a piece of shit as a human being, but that was a great match. Uh, a really great match between, again, at WrestleMania, Cedric Alexander and uh, Mustafa Ali. Uh, really great coronations of, of Buddy Murphy and Tony Nese and various other really fantastic wrestlers who came through and held that purple belt um, and Vince never cared about it, never gave a shit about it, and just used it to do stupid stories with Noam Dar and Alicia Fox, two performers who deserved a whole lot better. So, yeah. And then there was that whole putting the, the belt on Enzo. And I'm just shaking my head. I yeah. I mean I I think the whole concept of two oh five live is offensive. <laughs> it was bad from the start. It was bad at the end. There were some really bright spots in the middle. But Vince never cared about the cruiserweights, so it never got any serious work. Well, I mean, to put them on their own show and like separate them from i mean it just it's really offensive and it just it speaks to the mentality yeah. at, at at wwe which is vince's mentality and yep. you know yep so rest in peace 205 live good riddance sorry for all the people who really put really hard work into it and tried to make it a good show you tried. Yeah. And we don't wish anyone to lose their jobs. And uh, I have no interest in watching NXT level up because I have no interest in watching the Unicorn Vomit brand, which is the only way you can describe the color scheme of NXT 2.0. Used to it's... be the black and gold, and it was my favorite thing, and now it's Unicorn Vomit. Yeah, it's baffling. I don't. I just... I. Let us review the third most important story of the week. The Wrestling uh, sorry, the um, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards for 2021 have been announced. We are going to start with the Category B awards and work our way up to the top, and I'm just going to go from the bottom of the list on up. Um so some of these are not going to require a whole lot of commentary. I'm just going to read. I'm, I, we haven't worked this out before. We'll stop at the ones that deserve to be talked about. 
Um, some of these are are pretty obvious. Uh, best pro wrestling uh, DVD or streaming documentary, sec- third year in a row. It's a Dark Side of the Ring product, and th- this time it is the one on Brian Pillman. I watched that Dark Side of the Ring. It was phenomenal, and I highly recommend it, and I think it was great. And it could have been the plane ride from hell, but it was the Brian Pillman one. For the next award, the best pro wrestling book, you read it. <laughs> it's Mox. One more time, yes. how, how good is this book and why should everyone go read it? Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so good. If you love McFoley's books, read Mox. It's brilliant. It's well written. Like the his his voice and his um it's just it it all comes through, you know? Like it's him, but it's also John Moxley. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like but they're seamless. It's really good. <laughs> yep, and that moves us up to worst gimmick of the year for the fifth year in a row, for the seventh out of the last eight years. It goes to a WWE gimmick. Big surprise. And as much as we love this performer, this gimmick was shit and it totally deserved Alexa Bliss. Alexa, I am very sorry with what they saddled you with. You are such an amazing performer. You have made the best out of this terrible gimmick and you should be applauded for it. How good was Alexa Bliss when you saw her uh, perform live in NXT? Um, amazing. <laughs> like seeing her live, like won me over for you know enjoying her as a wrestler. Like I just, yeah. Hopefully, she gets a decent push, and she gets to do actual wrestling and not spooky doll stuff. Yeah. In a bit of a shock. Best gimmick went to Roman Reigns for the head of the table gimmick. Yeah, I was really surprised. And Orange Cassidy is number two on this. No, he was he he won it in twenty twenty. Um, or are we looking at different things? Oh, I'm I'm looking at the the five contenders. Oh, okay. And it has Roman Reigns as the top, and then Orange Cassidy. Second, Adam Page, third, Malachi Black, fourth, and Dan Danhausen, fifth. Ah, you're looking you're looking at the actual wrestling news wrestling uh, observer newsletter online. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia. So that's that's the difference between us. <laughs> okay, well see I can fill in. I can yes. do I can do some <laughs> so, this is why we should actually plan the show before we jump in and record. No, no, I'll it it'll be good because it'll be a live yeah. back and forth on the <laughs> and and in fairness, WWE is capable of booking one thing right, and it has been they booked Roman Reigns right the entirety uh, since he's been back. Uh, he did not wrestle at the beginning of the pandemic because of his uh, medical condition with leukemia. Totally understandable. Once it was safe for him to return, he returned, and he returned as a heel, the thing wrestling fans had been asking for forever. Heel turn Roman Reigns. Now can we get heel turn John Cena? It's a mm. decade late, but we still want it. Mm. Um, and he 
he plays this so well and so understated. It absolutely is an amazing gimmick. And he's keeping up the kayfabe in interviews, which, again, is something you really like to see. It's the same thing I like to see in an MJF. Yeah, um, wow. Did you watch that video I sent you? No, I forgot to watch it. Okay, watch it afterwards. Okay, I, sent, I will. For those of you, for those of you listening to this, I sent em- Emily a video of a, an eleven-year-old girl giving MJF as good as he got. <laughs> yeah, I uh, need to. Yeah, she 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 just did not bat an eye at any of the stuff that he was saying to her, including her being a mistake, and that her father should have bought a condom instead. Uh, oh wow! Yeah. And she and she just she just is all smiles flipping him off as she's getting stuff signed. It's it's great. It's great. Um, promoter of the year, three years running now. It's Tony Khan, All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, no issues there. Who were the other nominees? Um, I will have to scroll down because this is in. A diff- okay, promoter of the year. Um, oh, sorry. Yes, promoter of the year. Okay, uh, two is Dana White. Three is um, Ross Agawa. Four is Brett Lauderdale, and five is um, oh, I don't know how to say this name. Um, T. Yeah, I don't know. The last name okay. is Ka- the last name is Kadani. Well, none of them are Vince McMahon. So. No, no, yeah. no, no. Best Booker is also Tony Khan. Two years running now. I mean, you can call us AEW stands if you want, and we are. Um, but yeah, all elite wrestling is booked better than every other promotion in the world. Deal with it. I would say New Japan is a close second. Yeah. Then we are up to worst promotion of the year. And for four years running, it's World Wrestling Entertainment. Who mm. were, who else was nominated for this? CMLL, Ring of Honor, Impact, and NWA. And that's I... the that's the order that they were in after WWE. I don't agree with Impact being there, but that's another issue that we'll bring up for another time. Well, <laughs> WWE, what made it number one is it got 706, um, and the next CMLL got 83. <laughs> so it's overwhelmingly WWE. They might as well, like, it's statistically insignificant. <laughs> The rest, the rest of the, the votes are all under, are eighty three or under, so <laughs> to seven hundred and six. Yep. Worst feud of the year: Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Yep, mm. it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. It was badly written. It was badly booked. It was badly executed. Whole bunch of crap with that feud. Uh, what were were there any other lowlights on that list? Um, this one has Randy Orton versus The Fiend and Alexa Bliss as the worst feud of the year. Mm, that might, that is actually worse. That probably should be there. 
So I don't know why the Wikipedia has Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Let's assume that it's Randy Orton versus. Yeah, it doesn't. Oh, th yeah, the Fiend. Yeah, that's just. <sighs> yeah, and then it has Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler, Cody also, Rhodes. Go ahead. Co Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo, which I agree was not. Uh, it just. It was kind of flat. Um, Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman, and then Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. That so was this, also pretty bad. Yeah, this is different than the so Wikipedia. Someone, someone editing Wikipedia has done it poorly. Big surprise. Uh, <laughs> all right, worst match of the year: The Miz versus Damian Priest, the lumberjack match from WrestleMania Backlash, which featured, I shit you not, zombies. <gasps> That's right. I remember hearing about that. Oh, that's so ridiculous. It's so bad. It's so bad. But, okay, even in the worst pile of shit match, there's something you can find good. Miz, who gets so much flack from hardcore wrestling fans for not being good at what he does. First of all, he's actually very good at what he does. Second of all, he injured himself early in the match and stuck through it like a fucking champion. Hmm. So big, big kudos to Miz for like putting up with this bullshit and trying to make as much chicken salad out of chicken shit as he could. And poor Damian Priest, who deserves so much more. Um, worst television show from 2014 to 2021. It's no surprise. It's three hours long, and it's Monday Night Fucking Raw. <laughs> It's so bad. It's so horrible. <laughs> we don't even need... I, I'm willing to bet this had all the votes as well. Um, it, yeah, it had the, yeah, it had an overwhelming majority. And the rest are also, uh, except for Impact, the rest are all WWE. Yeah. So the, the other three WWE shows. Very sad. But NXT 2.0 is number two. At 170 and Raw is 669. Yeah, and those are both impossible to watch. Worst, excuse me, sorry, most disgusting promotional tactic firing mm. people during a global pandemic while setting record profits two years in a row to WWE. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't want to give any air to any other promotional tactic that was considered or deemed bad. I just want to say that when you're making record profits and you're cutting your employees, you are bad at what you do. Yes, absolutely. And the number two is the WWE continued relationship with Saudi Arabia. How and interesting. Then... That won in 2018 and 2019. <laughs> Number three, the um, handling of COVID in WWE. Uh, so, are we? Is that number four? That actually might be number four. Yeah. Yeah. So, yikes! Kind of scary. Yeah. When we when we shit on WWE in this podcast, it's because what they do is actually bad. Yeah. Not, we don't like them. There are lots of wrestlers working for WWE that we happen to love and wish were being treated better. Oh, yeah. But this company is so just awful to all the things it's doing. It's really terrible. 
All right, moving up to the best wrestling maneuver. It's the Buckshot Lariat. Hangman Adam Page, All Elite Wrestling. I kind of agree. It's certainly the most over finisher right now. Hmm. Um, sure, why not? Um, moving on up to worst major wrestling show. Yep. Survivor Series. <clears throat> just just as for all the people who are like, well, what about the end of the exploding barbed wire death match at Revolution last year? I'm like, it okay, that was the that was a bad ending to one match. Yeah. That soured a good pay-per-view. Survivor series from top to bottom was horseshit. The only good match was Reigns versus Big E. And, you know, I'm sure that anything I said about it on Twitter will back up what I just said, and that I haven't changed my tune at all just to match Dave Meltzer. But best major wrestling show? No surprise. It's all out. It's the second coming to WrestleMania 17. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like we could just do a watch along of All Out and just record our reactions to it again. <laughs> <laughs> and just be like, yep. This 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 is a this is a pay per view that you can rewatch from start to finish. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And you know, looking at this list, the interesting thing is Full Gear is number two, and then a Stardom show, Queendom, Queendom is number three. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, Dave Meltzer does give a lot of uh, love to Stardom, so the the fans and writers and people involved in the Wrestling Observer new- newsletters will also pay attention to Stardom. I would like to start paying attention to Stardom, but I don't have any time. Worst television announcer, it's Corey Graves. I've asked on Twitter multiple times for Corey Graves to stop masturbating over female wrestlers like a like a new Jerry Lawler. Gross. It yeah, is gross. I'm, I'm glad I don't listen to that. I don't either. Yeah. I'm at the point where I turn where I turn off the commentary for most of the raw matches when I have to watch a video of something that happened on Raw. Mm. Yep. Yeah, That's... you know, we actually used to do that. We would <laughs> when it's we watched so much better if you watch <laughs> WWE with the commentary turned off. We did that for years and sometimes we watched it with a Spanish commentary. <laughs> also significantly better because Vince and Kevin Dunn don't speak Spanish. So they don't know what the Spanish commentators are saying. Yeah. Best television announcer has a really good story to it, but it is for the second year in a row, Excalibur, which led to SmackDown color commentator Pat McAfee tweeting his congratulations directly to Excalibur and saying what a big fan of his work he is. Oh, that's nice. It really is. Who were the others up for best best commentator? Mm, I don't know because it's what in a I, order. Yeah. yeah, what I'm looking at is different and I can't seem to find Best Television Announcer. It's okay. Yeah, there's so many. I can't find it on here. Okay. Yep. Best non wrestler and frankly you could rename this the Paul Heyman Award, it's Paul Heyman. Yeah. Put Paul Heyman on the mic with any wrestler, and the way he straddled the Brock and Roman storylines this year, 
Um, and one of my favorite moments was Paul Heyman's eulogy for New Jack, which I, again, encourage you all to go seek out. It was really, really beautiful. Um, this was a close one. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Heyman got 369, and um, Don Callis got 364. Don Callis, also amazing at his job. Now, disturbingly enough, Dan Lambert is number three on here with 158. I almost spit up my water when you said that. I am shocked. Like, really. I, I mean, I guess there's a demographic of people that like him, and, th- and that's why he's on there. But, I, don't like Dan, I don't like Dan Lambert, but he doesn't yet have go-away hate with me. I still want to see him get his ass kicked. No, I didn't want to see him from the mm. first time he was on there. <laughs> yeah. Rookie of the year. This is a runaway. It's Jade Cargill. Yeah, very well deserved. She is so fucking good. And yeah. I'm so glad they built the, the TBS title around her. She's going to be a mega star in five years. She's already a star. She's going to be the biggest thing in professional wrestling in five years. Write it down. I said it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, she just must be working her ass off because the amount she has improved in the last month is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she was steadily, steadily improving all of last year, but getting the title, it just seems to have given her, you know, like a new passion for just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so. Most underrated Ricochet, who is still being used as enhancement talent. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. One of the best wrestlers in the world. Because he's small, Vince doesn't see it. Mm. Just, ugh. Just, you know, Will Ospreay, you made the right choice. Stay away. Stay away. Yeah. Most overrated? I really don't agree with this one. I don't either. Evil is the most overrated according. Okay, Dave, Wrestling Observer, Newsletter, people, you're fucking wrong. I don't get this at all. Who were I... who are the other nominees? Who are the other nominees for this? Roman Reigns, and he got Evil was one ninety four. Roman Reigns was one hundred one. Mm-hmm. Omos, um, The Miz, and uh, Kaiji Muto. It should have been almost almost cannot wrestle. He's tall and physically impressive, and that's it. Just Im- uh, imagine for a moment the Undertaker without talent, and that's almost. Oh, yeah. I just don't. I don't get evil even being on this list at all. Like I, I really he- don't. But you know, there's something with there's a there's a core group of wrestling fans that just. And and my uh, my husband Dustin is one of them. They're just not into into evil at all. And like when we watch uh, New Japan, we're always divided on anything that evil's doing. Mm-hmm. So it's art, and art is subjective. Yeah. So we we will accept that. Um, 
Best flying wrestler, two years in a row, Ray Phoenix. Yeah. Please get well. Yes, poor Ray Phoenix. He's going to be out another month, according to uh, what I read today. Mm. So, um, and he's won it again two years in a row, and it's fantastic. He definitely, definitely deserves it. He sometimes gets overshadowed by by his brother. He really shouldn't be overshadowed by his brother. They're they're both amazing. I hope yeah. the two brothers remain a tag team forever. But Ray Phoenix should hold a world title at some point. Yeah. One of my favorite awards, Best Brawler, the Bruiser Brody Memorial Award, two years in a row, John Moxley. Yes. I actually disagree with this one. Really? Because I think it should. I think it should have gone to Eddie Kingston. Oh well, the votes were very close. Who who were all the nominees? John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, um, Ishii, Shingo Tak Takagi, and Minoru Suzuki. Those are all good and worthy people. Uh, I would have given it to Eddie Kingston just for his match with Punk. Mm. Yeah, a that's a good point. Such that's a, good a really. Match. The winner of the Brian Danielson Award, the Best Technical Wrestler Award, is <laughs> Brian Danielson for his work both in WWE and his work in AEW. Um, if it ever comes up on YouTube, please go watch the triple threat match between Edge, Roman Reigns, and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, the main event. Brian's second main event uh, in WrestleMania history. And holy shit, really good. Also, his his loser leaves town match with Roman Reigns, really fucking good. As well, his his elimination chamber performance, uh, with the subsequent match with Roman Reigns after it, all of it really good. And then everything he's done in AEW since he arrived, Brian Danielson has had nothing but five star matches all fucking year. They're all technical masterpieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and he took his own award back from Zack Sabre Jr., who won it from 2014 to 2020. I really want, I really want Danielson versus uh, Zack Sabre Jr. so bad. Mm, yeah. I want a 30-minute match between the two of them. Minimum. That's how... All right. Most charismatic last year it was MJF, this year it's CM Punk. How are the votes on this? Uh... I don't know. <laughs> okay, it's, it's no argument with this. It's it's CM Punk every time he he comes out, every time he talks, and some of it is yeah, people want to sing cult of personality, but a lot of it is just <sighs> I'm hanging off his words. Yeah, and his presence. I mean, mm-hmm. and his in ring work. Yeah, everything he's doing is just great. Most improved went to Ty Conti. So well deserved. She's so good. I hope that they can develop the women's division and that Ty and Anna Jay can be inaugural AEW women's tag team champions. Mm, yeah. Feud of the year. Kenny Omega versus Adam Page. Yeah, absolutely. Hard to argue with it. Best box office draw. This one's Shouldn't be voted on. It is CM Punk. Mm. 
He's moving it. He's moving the merch. He's moving the needle. Um, sure. Um, women's uh, uh, women's wrestling MVP uh, from Stardom, Utami uh, Hayashita, uh, dethroned Bailey from last year. And again, we we should on WWE. Bailey in 2020, along with Sasha Banks and Asuka, carried WWE through the pandemic. The company would have failed without those three women. Hmm. And there's not enough praise being given to them for twenty for their work in 2020. Uh, Danny Hodge Memorial Award, the non-heavyweight MVP, went to Darby Allen. Congratulations. The European MVP went to Will Ospreay. The Mexico MVP went to El Hijo. Del uh, Vikino for uh, triple uh, for triple A. The Japan MVP went to Shingo Shingo Takagi, um, and the U.S. Canada MVP went to Kenny Omega. That is it for the B Awards. We've talked about this quite a bit. Let's go on and and talk about the next mistake that is being made. Pro Wrestling Match of the Year went to the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. Mm. Was it an amazing match? Yes. We talked about this when we when we when we called you uh, when we called you on your bullshit. It was not as good as Doctor Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa lights out. Mm-hmm. Which isn't all- even on here. Which isn't criminal. This is this is rigged. This is a rigged awards. This is all rigged. It's all bullshit. Dave Meltzer doesn't use a rubric. His whole rating system is bullshit. We're kidding, Dave. We love you. We do, actually. We we do. But, you know, tongue-in-cheek. But, yeah. uh, Was this the best tag team cage match I'd ever seen? Yes. Was it one of the best matches of the year? Yes. Did I care about it half as much as I cared about Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa? No. I also was kind of mad that the wrong team won. So. I wanted the Bucks to retain. I wanted the Elite to continue to hold all the gold. Oh. But I'm told by a great Western philosopher I can't always get what I want. <laughs> Best weekly TV show. No surprise. It's Dynamite. I actually would have voted for Rampage. I like a good hour of wrestling. That's one of the things that made NXT so appealing from 2015 to 2019 when I was watching it religiously, when it was appointment viewing, was it was a solid hour of just amazing shit. Yeah. So I, I really like, I love Dynamite. I love Rampage. I would have voted for Rampage here. Um, promotion of the year. Shocker. <laughs> it's WWE. No, it's AW. It's, a, <laughs> it's always going to be AW. Um, and it could have been New Japan. It could have been a couple of other promotions. Uh, but it's going to be AEW. Best on interviews. MJF. Never breaks character. Yeah. Love it. Love everything about it. Tag team of the year. Young Bucks. They've won it too much. I don't disagree with any of their wins. It's hard to argue with them about being the best. but I. Kind of want FTR to win this award next year. I want FTR to have the kind of year they win this award. Yeah, 
I would love to see that. They're number three on this list. Penta and Ray Phoenix are number two. Um, yep. So, but Zack Saber Jr. and Tai Chi are number four. <laughs> I absolutely love Dangerous Techers. You have made me such a Tai Chi fan. You terrible. Yes, I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, most outstanding wrestler Shingo Takagi for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I would generally agree with that. I think that when Will Ospreay went down with the with the injury and Takagi had to pick up the the New Japan Heavyweight title and run with it, he did carry the company on his back. He wasn't mm. supposed to, and he did. Yeah. Um, and the Luthas Ric Flair Wrestler of the Year Award goes to, of course, the belt collector, Kenny Omega. Yes. Um, and again, also deserved because it was the best storyline of the year. Kenny holding multiple belts at once and just being unstoppable and all the stuff that he was doing. So overall, pretty good awards. Really deserving people getting recognized. And of course, the best podcast debut of the year. Uh, this is an award that they didn't know they were giving out was... Uh, and an Emily Russell podcast. Hooray! We'll give ourselves an award. Yes. We um, claim no. it. We claim we cl- it. We claim it. We 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 are we are we're doing we're doing work that we enjoy and that's the most important thing. That was a really long episode because we can do 90 minutes <laughs> on nothing. <laughs> and this was a super we we still truncated so much stuff. I wanted to talk this week about how I would like to watch Elimination Chamber, but I can't bring myself to do it because it's in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. The card looks good, except for Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss, and why is this match happening again? I would like to talk about more about what's going on with Cody and Brandy Rhodes, but we'll probably do more of an autopsy of that once all the uh, things shake out over the next couple of months. We will revisit that topic. Um, I would like to do more of our fun booking stuff, and we're going to get back to some of that. We hope you enjoyed the trip to the uh, awesome wrestling universe. We're going to come back to it later in the year. Don't worry, it's not going anywhere. And we're going to come back to ribbing Dave Meltzer over his star ratings. In fact, we might do that next week, and we're going to look at some more indie promotions. And we had an idea to challenge ourselves to have one episode where we don't talk about AEW or WWE. I don't know when we're going to do that. It's probably going to be after WrestleMania season, but we'll see if we can manage it. Um, that is going to like kind of put a bow on the show, except for one thing, and I have to mention it. I was watching before we started recording, after I'd written the show notes, um, an interview with Chris Van Vliet and Billy Gunn, where Billy Gunn was talking about a professor breaking down the lyrics of uh, Ass Man, Billy Gunn's theme from the Attitude Era. And he, he couldn't find the video. So on our Twitter, I have tagged Billy Gunn. I found the video. So did a lot of other people. But the person who's doing it is not a college professor. It is uh, pod, uh, podcaster Luminary 
one of the most important podcasters in the history of podcasting, Justin Robert Young, who also used to do a wrestling podcast called 1900 Wrestling with friend of the show, Willie Dills Gregory. He's not actually a college professor. He was giving this at a, at, at, at a convention, and this was in 2015. It is on our Twitter. Please go watch Justin Robert Young analyze Mr. Ass, Billy Gunn. <laughs> it's 11 minutes long. It is amazing. Billy, please find your way over to our Twitter. We found the video for you. You're welcome. Also, embrace the ass. Yes. Because Dem is ass, boys. Dun, dun. <laughs> it's very nice. It's very evil. And with that, let's close the show. Uh, if you want to know more about what's going on in the show, please follow us over on Twitter at Anne Emily Pod. You can find uh, both of us also individually on Twitter. Uh, you can find Emily at 8-Bit Emily. That's 8 the number. Uh, what are you up to these days with your Twitter? Um, nothing right now. Just, um, yeah, nothing exciting. Yep. You can find me at Ann underscore Elise on Twitter, and you can email the show at a and e wrestlepod at gmail.com. Sorry, that's not easy to remember, but I did this all on the fly when we decided to make this podcast because CM Punk returned to wrestling and we recorded it on a wing and a prayer. <laughs> there you go. Um, we do other shows in this fledgling network that still doesn't have a name or a website. Both of those are coming. Uh, you can find about uh, all uh, about all about uh, stuff on Q for Fun, which is our Hero of the Storm show that I do with Wicked Kitten, so for Shea, and when she's not, you know side-soaking and threatening Blizzard for failing to release a legendary Brightwing skin, the fairy dragon herself, Royalite. Uh, you can also listen to Anime Sweater, which is our anime podcast, which will be returning as we are settling into it. And we are going to be having a network meeting about the, t- the TV and film podcast that hopefully all five of us, along with other people, will be involved in, in a rotating cast of characters talk about awesome tv and, and and movies that you should definitely go check out um there will be a golden girls podcast and i will beg austin creed to come on it <laughs> he won't for obvious reasons but it, it's gonna happen um and again you can follow all those shows at their various twitter accounts we're doing a lot of awesome content we have a lot of great stuff planned uh we have some really cool stuff planned, I hope, for Q for Fun and for Anime Sweater coming up. And it's not going to ever be a part of our network, but my co-host, Wicked Kitten, has her own show on horror call, called uh, Gore Podcast. And you can find that at Gore Podcast on Twitter. It happens twice a month, and Wicked Kitten and her friends talking about horror movies, which confirms all that we need to know about clowns being evil and from outer space. They just, released, epi- they just released episode 10 uh, today, and you should definitely go and uh, watch and, or listen to, that sh- listen to that show and give them your love and support because Wicked Kitten is amazing. She's one of my favorite people to record shows with. Actually, all four of you are my favorite people to record shows with. That's why I do this for free. 
<laughs> it's an excuse to talk to my friends. And that's going to uh-huh. do it. We'll be back next week to talk about more stuff as we're getting closer and closer to AEW Revolution, which will be the week after that. We'll do our prediction show on the 4th. We might do some regrading of Dave Meltzer's very inconsistent grades. We'll talk about it during the week. No promises for what's going to happen next week. But should be some pretty awesome stuff. So I think that's everything. Did I miss anything, Emily? No. All right, then. Um, Wow. Uh, We should send the crowd home happy. So without further ado, we'd like to bid you all adieu. Goodbye. Good night. Bang. We got it right. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.